1: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. The Bengals officially announced the previously leaked news that there's a ring of honor coming to Paul Brown Stadium. They're going to put some names up in the bowl, to use the words of Elizabeth Blackburn, who met with Bengals media today, as did one of the two members that are already in the inaugural class, Paul Brown and Anthony Munoz, the Hall of Famers, and the most obvious choices, the Bengals will add two more players to the inaugural class, James, and they're leaving that up to season ticket holders. And I thought the voting system was pretty interesting. They're giving you a vote for every year you've been a season ticket holder, which means the people that have been there the whole time are going to get 50 plus votes. And if you just got season tickets last year for the first time, you get one or two votes. So, I I think that that is a good way for, for the team to reward loyalty and they'll be able to vote for two players to join Anthony and Paul in that first class of the Ring of Honor. And the way they made it sound, it's not like you can split up 54
2: votes among different people. It's your vote counts, you know, for 54 versus one. But I agree with you. What this does is it makes sure Ken Riley, Ken Anderson maybe an Isaac Curtis, all of the greats that you and I didn't get to witness and, you know, millennials and Gen X and, you know, all these young fans didn't get to witness. It makes sure that they're able to to be represented and they're honored as well. Because, you know, if we did a, a Twitter poll well, Chad Johnson, who I think is my favorite Bengal ever, he would go in, right? Well, y- you want to sort of wait a little bit with some of these younger guys and try to get the the ones that they're they're playing catch up with, honestly. And so this is a good way to do that while also, like you said, rewarding loyalty.
1: And we do have a Twitter poll, James. We did one from the locked on Bengals Twitter account today. And there were only three options that I gave people. I put this poll out for those of you wondering who's pulling the strings. This one came from me. And your three options were Ken and Ken, Ken Anderson and Ken Riley, Anderson yep. and Anderson, Ken Anderson and Willie Anderson or other. And I, I asked people to write in if they chose other and some of the write-ins just to tell you what some of them were, were Ken Anderson and Isaac Curtis, uh, Chad and Ken Anderson, Ken Anderson, Willie Anderson, and Ken Rally. There should have been five in the first class says John Lynn. So a lot of Chad Johnson, a little bit of Willie Anderson should be in there too. And, and that's kind of the mix that we got, but 82%, James, say Ken and Ken. So we did a Twitter poll and if they wanted Chad, they would have had to have picked other. I wonder how it would have changed if I had made Chad one of the options, Chad and somebody, but Ken and Ken, the overwhelming favorite followed by Anderson and Anderson at 13.5% and just four and a half percent writing in choosing other.
2: I like that option. A Ken and Ken option B Anderson and Anderson. And heck you could argue and we'll get into Willie Anderson in a second, if if he should be in this, you know, first wave, second wave, you know, what uh, class he should be in. But you know what I'm not going to argue? Ken and Ken. I think this is a no-brainer. You talk about the four pillars of the franchise. Well, it's the greatest player in franchise history and arguably the greatest offensive lineman of all time. Paul Brown, the founder, arguably the greatest coach of all time, plus the best quarterback in franchise history, Ken Anderson, and uh, the best cornerback in franchise history, Ken Riley. So these are no-brainers, and, and hopefully this is it with the inaug- inaugural class because that's uh, it's fitting that it would be those four.
1: And I think that after the Bengals kind of scolded the NFL for not including Ken Riley in their in-memoriam segment during the NFL Awards this year, I think that that kind of tells you everything you need to know about Ken Riley and, and him – and his place in the inaugural class. The only complaint that I think I would have if it's those four guys is that why isn't it five guys? And I, I understand Elizabeth said, you know, it was a big debate internally. How many players, coaches, et cetera, do we put into the first class? And they landed on four. But I think it would be a really easy sell if they went all the way up to like maybe six. Maybe it's just five to get Willie in there because I think Willie would be the next in line for me. If it's six, then guys like Isaac Curtis and Chad Johnson and Corey Dillon and you know some of the other players on some of their Super Bowl teams probably get into the mix. as Boomer Esiason get into yes. the conversation at some point, right? So th- they had to draw a line somewhere, I guess, if they didn't want to just do everyone. Tim Crumry, another name that I haven't mentioned. So I, I guess I get them just putting a limit on it at some point. But Willie Anderson, for example, on Twitter today, I'm just going to read a couple of tweets he had. He was really excited about this, James. This was huge news for him. He's, he, he has his first tweet on the number on the topic. He says, God damn it, Bengals. Y'all are making some people really happy today. We've pushed for this for years. Thank you, Mike Brown, Katie, and her daughter, who's really pushing this and other initiatives. I told you all the two events they had in 2017 and 18 were top class. A lot of pain and disagreements talking about this to the Bengals. He said in another tweet, But we know Mike loves his players. He showed it. I've seen it. 13 years I've walked through those doors. But the social media push from our fans, I really believe, is going to be Houdé Magic. Thank you, fans. So you just get the idea there, right, of how much this meant to Willie Anderson. Clearly one of the franchise greats. A guy that's trying to make his case for the Hall of Fame as well. And we all agree that he should be in there. This is a big deal. I think it's a big deal to to Ken Riley's kid who tweeted today about his dad and, and one of the birthday presents he got from Paul Brown when he was a kid as well. So I think a big deal to a lot of people, Bengals fans on Twitter, very happy about this as well. So a good day for the franchise, I think, taking a step in the right direction on a very hot button issue, leaving only the Raiders, I think, at this point, James, as the last team in the NFL that doesn't have anything resembling a ring of honor or a team hall of fame.
2: And the reason it's so significant, you, you felt Willie's passion through tweets, but young Bengals fans, when he gets inducted and it's when it's going to be, and I'm talking about the Bengals ring of honor, by the way, hopefully the hall of fame as well. But when he gets inducted into the Bengals ring of honor, young fans are going to be able to grow up and know who the hell Willie Anderson is. I grew up a Bengals fan. I was born in 91. Guess what? I didn't know who Ken Riley was until I got into this business and I had to know who Ken Riley was. And you know, the the Bengals started honoring some of their legends back in 2017 and and you start to hear more and learn. Well, young Bengals fans should be able to know that and Willie Anderson and a lot of these other guys, they're going to be forgotten to a degree if you don't honor them. So it was a, a big step and I love Willie's passion there.
1: It sounds like the Bengals have a relatively modern plan for this as well. Incorporating video, incorporating photos, There was a bust beside Anthony Munoz, like a a Hall of Fame style head bust beside him in one of the pieces of content that the Bengals shared today. So looks like they're going all out for it. Really exciting stuff. I'm looking forward to seeing the results and seeing the the names go up in Paul Brown Stadium. Just a, a really good moment for the Bengals and their fans. James, it is a mailbag. We are going to preserve the mailbag today, one of our traditions on the Locked on Bengals podcast. We're going to get into that coming up next.
2: Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action in the NFL draft less than three weeks away. And guess what that means, that you can make money on the draft. You're going to be watching and paying attention and following along anyways. You might as well make money while you do it. There's a ton of NFL draft prop bets up right now. At betonline.ag. From where Jamar Chase is going to land to Pene Sewell. And if he's going to end up in Cincinnati, there are so, so many. So check him out right now at betonline.ag. And while you're there signing up, it's free to sign up, by the way. Make sure you use promo code LOCKEDON and you're going to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's simple, it's easy, and you might as well make money while. You're paying attention to the NFL draft. Again, BetOnline.ag. Promo code locked on. You're gonna get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Betonline, your online sportsbook experts.
0: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.
1: James, before we dive into the mailbag, you mentioned BetOnline.ag. Just a few real quick props that I think are extremely interesting. The first one is the first offensive lineman to be picked in the draft. BetOnline.ag doesn't buy any of the people that say NFL teams have Rashawn Slater higher than Sewell on their board. Sewell minus minus nine hundred to be the first offensive lineman drafted. Rashawn Slater plus five hundred. Looking at the first wide receiver drafted, Jamar Chase, a prohibitive favorite. Looking at the over-under for Jamar Chase, this is another one that's interesting as it pertains to the Bengals. That set at six. The over-under for Kyle Pitts and Pene Sewell as to what pick they'll be drafted at is five and a half. So betonline.ag, I think, certainly thinks all three of those guys are in play for the Bengals or sooner. Maybe the Falcons for some of those guys. But I just thought for those three names in particular, I thought that was really interesting. And the last one, James, that you pointed out to me before we started recording, is the number of wide receivers drafted in the first round for the Chase versus Sewell. If you're looking for some ammunition on either side of this, that's set at just four and a half. And I think that people are certainly expecting that to be more. At least that's my impression. So just some interesting prop bet lines That betonline.ag has that that kind of tell you what the odds makers are thinking and expecting come April 29th?
2: I'd be shocked if there weren't five wide receivers taken in the first round, Jake. Honestly, I mean, you got the big three that are going to go in the first round. Rashad Bateman seems like a no brainer first round pick. Terrace Marshall tested really well. I think he could get taken. Uh, There are some rumors out there that I saw on Thursday about Kadarius Toney. We've talked about uh, more Elijah Moore from Ole Miss. So I think it's easily the over on the four and a half. But it's that time of the week, our favorite time, mailbag time. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Bengals so you can get your questions in every single Thursday for the weekend mailbag. And let's start with one of our loyal Bengals listeners, Logie513. Shout out to Logie. Asks, should Isaac Curtis make it into the Bengals ring of honor before Chad Johnson?
1: That's really close, isn't it? Because, you know, you look at era-adjusted numbers. Chad played 10 years in Cincinnati. He had 751 catches for 10,783 yards, 66 touchdowns in those 10 seasons. Isaac Curtis played 12 years in Cincinnati from 1973 to 1984. He was on a Super Bowl team. He was playing in an era when passing wasn't nearly as prolific, and he still caught 416 passes, for 7,101 yards, 53 touchdowns. Man, I, I think i go to the original 85 first here, James, and I know people that are younger would probably say, you know, Chad is the reason that I became a Bengals fan, and I 100% believe that Chad needs to go into the Ring of Honor too. You know what I would do actually, James, is I would say if you wore the number 85 and you're qualified to go into the Ring of Honor, you do it together because, as he loves to say, Three things always true in life, death, taxes, 85s always open. Put the two 85s in together because I think that they both fit that saying.
2: That's fair because it depends on who you ask. If you ask Dave Lapham who the best receiver in Bengals history is, he's going to say Isaac Curtis. He's not going to say Carl Pickens. He's not going to say A.J. Green, even though he loves Green. And he's not going to say Chad Johnson. But you ask me, you ask someone who's 31, 32 like you, Well, guess what? It's going to be the other way, and it's probably going to be Chad. So putting them in together maybe next year, assuming they have four next year or something like that, that's the smart way to go about it. At the same time, I think Johnson's impact and the way he brought in Bengals fans, that has to be taken into account too, and that's nothing against Isaac Curtis. But to me, if I had to pick, it'd be Ocho. It would, and it's because of the impact and what he did for the organization. It was, it was bigger than football. And I know there was some diva to him, but man, people love him.
1: I I certainly understand that point. I just think that like, if we're talking about honoring the history, both guys definitely going to get in. I, for whatever reason for this, just default to the guy that came first. And whether that's right or wrong, I a hundred percent agree with you. Chad had a Impact on the Bengals that was magnitudes larger. At least it seems because I was only alive for the Chad part. But on the organization that Isaac Curtis did, he he lived in an era where the league was much more popular. I, I totally get that side of it. I'm just very inclined to go with the guy that that did it first. Like I said, and you know he he did help the Bengals get to a Super Bowl. So I, I think that's a major mark in Curtis's favor as well, especially if you consider it the way that the hall of fame does it, where they're looking for that playoff footprint. Our next question is on the same topic of the ring of honor. James Kevin at Kevrog Kev 41 wants to know from the current team, what players do you think could make the ring of honor one day?
2: Oh boy. We've said bye to green. We've said bye to Gino Atkins to, obvious ones that are going to go this is tough because there aren't many are there any like guys that are so established multiple pro bowlers on the team I'm trying to think am I missing someone there are no like multiple pro bowlers on the team anymore
1: no I don't think that there's like anybody on the team that you would say has currently done enough to get into the Bengals ring of honor I think that this would have to require us to to project A little bit based on what we think might happen for some of these guys' careers.
2: And that's so I just wanted to make sure I wasn't missing someone because the turnover has been nuts. All right. So let's start. Joe Burrow. Right. You'd like to think the first overall pick, the guy who's going to save the franchise, that hopefully one day he's going to be in the ring of honor. But a lot has to happen after that rookie campaign for it to happen. Tyler Boyd, two thousand. Uh, two 1,000-yard seasons, would have had another 1,000-yard season last year had he not gotten dinged up, and obviously Burrow's injury hurt him as well. I think he is a candidate for it. And then outside of those guys, Jesse Bates, if, if you think he is the safety that he looked like last year, not 2019 but 2020, and there are reasons to believe that he's still ascending. I think he's a guy that could certainly be in it. I think I, that might be it for now. Obviously, whoever they draft fifth overall, whether it's Chase or Sewell, you'd like to think someone like that, T. Higgins, could have had a thousand yards this past year. Maybe he he gets in it. Uh, you know, Joe Mixon, maybe he turns things around. But it's you're right. It's a lot of projecting right now because no one on this current roster is uh, is is set for it or on on track to do it really, uh, because the track record, even if it is good, is so small that we just need to see more.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, Jesse Bates gets an extension this year. He continues to play well. He's certainly on that path. But so many of the guys on the defensive side of the ball are free agent acquisitions. And which of them is is going to be with the Bengals long enough to be a ring of honor guy? Like I think of guys that are Bengals for at least their first two contracts for, for the most part, when I'm thinking about guys that are, are ring of honor candidates. So the the other one, the only other one that I would really mention at all and I think it's an outside shot for most of these guys is is Jonah Williams if he can stay healthy and be a cornerstone left tackle for a long time he could be I think that it's a pretty long shot for Boyd I think he could be one of those hall of very good or ring of very good players because at least with Jesse Bates you know he was he was in the all pro conversation And, and Tyler Boyd hasn't even made a pro bowl yet so I I think he's a really good player. I think he's certainly worthy of that honor, but there's a long way to go for all these guys. Kevin Huber forgot about him. Oh, there's, there's a shot, right? he's
2: he's a pro bowler. There's a shot. So that's the one
1: Clark Harris pro bowler as well. Pro
2: bowler too. Yeah.
1: You know, going (laughs) to be one of the longest tenured Bengals by the time he's done in Cincinnati. So I I don't know. I don't know if either of those guys get in, (laughs) but Sure. I mean, if you want to talk about some veterans on the team, th- those are good guys to bring up. And James, we just took uh, about 7 minutes to talk about two questions, so I think everybody knows what that means. At this point, it's time to go lightning round format here for the last part of the show coming up next. If you're anything like me and you're listening to this show right now, you're hungry. And why why I say anything like me is because I'm always hungry and one thing that really helps me get from one meal to the next, is Bilt Bar, the protein bar that we always tell you about. They literally taste like a candy bar with their 100% chocolate coating, but they're about infinitely more nutritious with their high protein content, their overall low calorie count, the low sugar count, the high fiber count, and the low fat makes it a perfect snack and a perfect pre-workout too. Perfect post-workout. However you want to eat your Built Bars, whatever flavor you like, whether it's peanut butter, coconut, almond, cherry barcia, cookies and cream, Built Bar has a flavor that you will love. We've got a promo code for you right now. It's LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. So go check out all the flavors at BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 when you check out and save 15% on the most delicious protein bar you'll ever have.
0: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
2: The weekend mailbag rolls on and it's going to be a lightning round and then we're going to slow things down with the final question on today's mailbag. Let's continue with Sergeant Hude at Sarge Hooday on Twitter. Jakey he says, with Giovanni Bernard gone, do you see the Bengals adjusting or upgrading Joe Mixon's role at all? Or will guys like P. Ryan and Williams just take on a more expanded role? I guess this also tells us that the Bengals will be adding to the running back room as well, right?
1: Well, the athletic guys certainly seem to think so. They're doing their positional preview series right now. They're expecting the Bengals to draft a running back on day three to answer your last question. As to your first question, I think that it's kind of time for Joe Mixon to be a three down back. They're paying him three down back money. He should be relatively fresh because he didn't play last year very much. And I don't think that Samaj Pirine and and Travion Williams for whatever you think of them is an ideal third down back. Samaj Pirine is kind of a, a guy that I think can just give Joe Mixon a breather. I think he is better in pass protection. We talked with, Bengals, Sands, Mike about this on yesterday's show. p Ryan isn't the guy that you want out there running routes. He's not going to make a linebacker look like a goof trying to read an option route or, or trying to stay with him on a Texas route, an angle route. Travion Williams can do some of that, but has a lot to prove, I think, as a pass protector. And I'm just not sure this coaching staff really trusts him, especially after the fumbles last year. So I think that we'll see them probably use a draft pick on a running back, I feel like the athletic guys are probably pretty on to something there unless they find somebody that they like as a free agent that that gets cut from another team because there's a lot of veteran backs out there. Maybe it's a Duke Johnson, right? A guy that they want to be a pass protector and a guy to run some routes. Um, But if it's not that, I think it's going to be a late-round pick and they're going to look for somebody that can kind of fill Gio's role a little bit because they don't really have anybody on the team currently that can do exactly what Gio did for them. James, next question. Let's talk Ryan Pitts. This comes from Ryan Kaufman at Ryan C282. What's the reason there's not a lot of Kyle Pitts talk? Is it just positional value? Is it like me because Malik Wright has guaranteed us that the Bengals won't be drafting Kyle Pitts?
2: I think it's because the Bengals are going to have a similar grade on Penny Sewell, Jamar Chase, and Kyle Pitts. And positional value to them matters. And if you're not going to take Penesul, the guy who's going to be Joe Burrow's bodyguard for the next decade, then why not take the guy in Jamar Chase who can replace A.J. Green? And some might say, oh, well, Kyle Pitts can do this and do that. And I get all the arguments. I'm not saying it's necessarily right. I just think, and not that the Bengals wouldn't draft him. I just think for them, if you're taking a, a, you know, using the fifth pick, you're going to use it on. A tackle that might be a generational tackle in your eyes, or a wide receiver that might be a generational wide receiver. Oh, well, this this guy's going to be a generational tight end. They may agree with that, but they're going to put the the tackle and wide receiver ahead of it. And part of it is is because those are pretty big needs on this roster. But who knows? Maybe the Bengals are just giving us a huge, huge curveball. And Pitts could be the pick at five. I just I, I think that's extremely, extremely unlikely. Next question comes from Nick Kirby 3 on Twitter. Every year there are guys that come out of nowhere and exceed expectations as rookies. Last year, some of those guys were James Robinson, Michael Wenu, and LeJaria Sneed. Who are your pre-draft rookie sleepers?
1: Well, we're going to have a board that we're going to release that, that I've been working on with our old friend Joe Goodberry, and uh, we've had some help, Tracy McBrady a great listener of the show and and a supporter has been helping us with some of the data this year as well. So appreciate that. And we always appreciate the help we have with some of the data entry, but some of the guys that stand out to me, uh, Milton Williams is one we've talked about on this podcast quite a bit. I'm not sure he's much of a sleeper anymore, but coming out of Louisiana tech uh, a bit of a smaller school, some poor competition, but absolute freak testing built in a lot of ways and tested in a lot of ways like Geno Atkins just 6'3", 284 a little bit short in the arm length department 31 and a half inch arms but overall has the profile of a penetrating three tech who had the highest pass rush win rate for any interior defensive lineman in this class and obviously guys like Christian Barmore who was second highest in that metric did it against much better competition but Milton Williams is a guy in, in the third or fourth round, and maybe he's even gotten up into the second round for some teams after he tested really well, is a guy on the interior defensive line I really like. And just from an athleticism standpoint, a couple other guys at that position, Jonathan Marshall from Arkansas and Bobby Brown from Texas a and a couple other freak athletes, along with Taquan Graham from Texas A&M, some really good athletes on the interior defensive line, even though it said that that's a, a thin position this year. And the other position I'll talk about is wide receiver. And there's a couple of guys that I think are really interesting that, that are going to end up being later round prospects. Uh, Josh Palmer from Tennessee didn't have a quarterback this year, didn't really have the production that the Bengals would typically look for in a prospect, but has a lot of athletic tools and has some height He's 6'1". He's not really tall, but has some height that is generally lacking in this class. Amir Smith-Marset from Iowa, another guy who didn't really have a quarterback, has some downfield ability in a big way, has some return ability in a big way, is a guy that the Bengals have also talked to that I like in a later round. And one other guy, just while we're on the topic of wide receivers to keep an eye on in later rounds is Desmond Fitzpatrick out of Louisville. He's another guy that has some height and tested well enough to get himself into the conversation, I think, to be a mid-round wide receiver with some downfield ability that can play outside that the Bengals are looking for. So there will be more guys. I think Paulson of is a guy that a lot of people like at corner. And some other corners have worked their way up the board quite a bit. Guys like Greg Newsom, who's now seen as a first-round pick, who early in the process I would have called a sleeper, but at this point, not so much anymore. Uh, but yeah, th- those are some guys that I think could be late-round targets for, for the Bengals specifically because we're not evaluating some of the other positions this year that we don't think the Bengals are going to draft, who could be some, some diamonds in the rough. And those are always really hard to project, right? Because trying to find guys that are going to be the breakouts in round five, round six it's it's just generally you're getting lucky more than you're good but sometimes you nail it like Carl Lawson and Marvin Jones and those were guys that you know everybody remembers Joe at the time was really high on and they worked out so uh hopefully that process continues to pan out James I just talked for a really long time for a lightning round so we're out of the lightning round bye by executive order from me. And we're going to discuss this last question together. This comes from Casey at Casey, Sean P on Twitter, run passer boot. He's borrowing from the athletics podcast here, draft order, round one, round two wide receiver, then offensive line, offensive line, then wide receiver or offensive line, then offensive line. He goes on to say that he prefers chase, but if they take Sewell with the fifth pick, He would rather they double up on offensive line in the second round.
2: Man, Casey coming in with the right opinion. Look, as far as run goes, it's the one, I guess, that uh, you're rolling with, right? Wide receiver at five. We all know I'm team Chase, baby. Jamar Chase at five. That's what that means. That doesn't mean Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle. It means Jamar Chase. And then offensive line in round two, that could mean uh, a plethora of guys because there's going to be a bunch of offensive linemen available at 38. So, yeah, that's the one. I'm running Uh, second place, again, right in line with Casey here. It's offensive line, offensive line. There's not, to me, the path to have wide receiver at the top of the Bengals board at 38 is much less likely than the opposite, where an offensive lineman's at the top of their board in the second round. And again, that's why I'm in favor of Chase at five and then offensive line in round two. But in the scenario where they pick Sewell, Might as well double down and become this great offensive line team. So then I'd go offensive line in round two as well, assuming an offensive lineman is the top player on your board. Now, if it's not and Rashad Bateman falls, he won't or Terrace Marshall falls or you have a high grade on one of these other receivers and it's worthy of the 38th pick, then fine. But I'm not reaching there. So that's why I would be offensive line then wide receiver third, because I just feel like it's unlikely that a receiver, which could be at the top of your board in round one, is at the top of your board in round two.
1: Yeah, I think what what makes this question interesting to me is that this assumes, I think, some ideal some ideal outcomes. There's a problem with NFL draft evaluation where people are just too overconfident in their evals, especially at the top. So like we're very sure right now, James, you asked me before we started recording who has bigger bust potential between Penny Sewell and Jamar Chase? And I said neither. I think both guys <laughs> have a really hard time seeing them busting in the NFL and just outright being bad. But there's always things that happen that you can't foresee there. There are interpersonal problems. There are injuries. There are football situations that are a bad fit and you can't see any of that coming. So in an ideal world, right? In an ideal world where the Bengals hit their draft picks, you're taking Jamar chase in the first round. You're taking uh, Alex Leatherwood or, or Landon Dickerson or Wyatt Davis or whoever you like in the second round. And you've got two, good starters, maybe, maybe some great starters, right? Because you can get great interior offensive linemen at the top of the second round. That's certainly the ideal, but in the, in the world of reality, you look at some of the top 10 wide receivers picked lately, they haven't always worked out and some of them have clearly been overdrafted and some of them just aren't as good as people thought they would be. And when it gets to the second round, your hit rate is falling off further. So you say wide receiver in the first offensive line in the second, maybe you hit on Jamar Chase. Because like I said, I I see his bust potential being very minimal. You get to the second round, your chance of hitting on an offensive lineman diminishes. And I think this is one of the two strongest arguments in favor of Team Sewell, and it's that it's harder to get a quality offensive lineman, especially offensive tackle in the NFL, than it is to get a, a starter level wide receiver. And you see that in most years in the draft. You see that in most years in free agency, very similar top end contract values there. So the NFL values the top end players of both positions very similarly. And that's what you're talking about with the fifth pick. But when you get to the second round, the the other argument that I just mentioned is your hit rate goes down in the second round. And so when you talk about wide receiver, offensive linemen, there's risk there. In the ideal world, absolutely wide receiver, offensive linemen. In the real world, that gets a lot harder to execute. The other thing I wanted to mention about this question that I think is interesting, James, is I don't think offensive lineman wide receiver is as likely an option as offensive line, defensive line, or wide receiver, defensive line, or corner even in the second round. I I could see happening perhaps more likely than wide receiver unless somebody falls there. I, I think there's a world where they go wide receiver, defensive end, offensive guard in the third round that that's something that I think fans would not be very happy about even if they did like you know the Jamar Chase pick in the first round but I I think that could be where the value falls for this team and, and what they value most so just some other scenarios and some things to consider because I think every time this question comes up people are living in this world of the ideal and and you know you know me I talk about risk assessment and range of outcomes all the time when you get to the second round, that range of outcomes expands and, and your, your chance of failing at that pick increases.
2: They better use like four of their day three picks on late round wide receivers. If they're not taking chase at five, man, they better take all those sleepers, man. Desmond Fitzpatrick, Amir Smith-Marset, Marquez-Stevenson, I'll throw another one out there. All those guys better end up in stripes if they don't take one. We need speed, Jake, Speed.
1: I, I hear you. I do. I really <laughs> guys do. Guys who can run. Yeah. I, I, like, I like guys who go fast and score points. I think we all do. It's just it's just uh, one of the underrated facets of the conversation. And I think people that listen to me can tell that I'm, I'm pretty close to the center on this. But in the ideal world, I, I still do agree with you, James. In the ideal yeah. world, you get Chase in the first round and you hit your second round offensive line pick. I just think that's really hard to do. That's all. We're
2: going to do it. And we, at least in mock drafts on Lockdown Bengals, we're going to do it. The Bengals, are they going to do it? I'm not sure. I know Jake and James are going to get it done.
1: It's just hard. That's all I'm saying. Drafting is hard. Uh, you, you look at your shadow teams. If you do the shadow team exercise, which we'll talk about at some point before the draft, you miss on guys. The NFL misses on guys. It's a hard business. And, and if it was easy, well... Whoever thinks it's easy is getting paid a lot of money because they're doing something that no one else can do. But that is the last question of this week's mailbag on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Mock Draft Monday does return next week. James, we owe the people a chase scenario. We did the Sewell scenario. We've got to do the chase scenario. And previously, we had discussed doing a tradeback scenario. I think that's pretty well off the table at this point. And so we're not going to do that one. Our next episode, though, we will hit that Jamar chase in the first round scenario and see what we can make happen for the Bengals going from there. Until then, Bengals fans, day! Have a good one.
0: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.